Welcome to Bar Fights with attorney and advocate Sarah Klein. Taking on issues that matter and advocating for legal, cultural, and political change everywhere in order to protect children and vulnerable adults. Joining the conversation are survivors, advocates, lawyers, media personalities, athletes, celebrities, authors, wellness aficionados, and many more. Because bringing real justice takes a team of experts who care. Now, leading the fight is your host, Sarah Klein. Hey, you guys, welcome back to Bar Fights. I am so happy that you're here today. Today's going to be such a treat. Um, it's an important conversation that when I was doing my research on this guest, I'm like, I need this so bad. And so does everybody else. And we're going to get into that today. My guest is named Terry Cole, and she is a licensed psychotherapist. She's a relationship empowerment expert, and she is the author of a bomb ass new book that you need to run out and buy ASAP before this podcast is even over. Um, it's called Boundary Boss, the essential guide to talk true, be seen, and finally live free. We're going to dive into that book today. You guys have seen Terry. She's been on ABC, NBC, in the New York Times, Oprah Daily, Vogue. Um, she's been everywhere. And her mission is to teach us how to attain and sustain vibrant mental health and become empowered in all of our relationships. Starting with, surprise, surprise, the one we have with ourselves. So Terry Cole, welcome to Bar Fights. I'm so happy you're here. Oh, Sarah, thanks for having me. I'm so happy to be here. Oh my gosh, Terry. Okay, where do we even begin this topic of creating safe spaces, boundaries? Where do we even dive in? I don't know one person that doesn't need to have better boundaries, um, set boundaries, Think about boundaries. Where do we start? Well, part of it is understanding, right? So if we want to create safe spaces in our lives, in our relationships, and within ourselves, we have got to have our boundaries stuff together. We have to understand what this is. So I want you to think about your boundaries as your own personal rules of engagement. It's the way that we let others know what's okay with us and what's not okay with us. Mm-hmm. Our boundaries, according to Terry Cole, are made up of your, your preferences, your desires, your limits, and your deal breakers, like your non-negotiables. Mm-hmm. So it's not enough to just know them. And I can tell you from being a therapist for 25 years, a lot of people don't know their preferences, their desires, their limits, or their deal breakers. But we have to know them and then have the ability to fluently communicate them when we so choose. And both of those things are a problem for many people. So the first question people always ask is like, why is this so hard? Why does it feel so overwhelming? I'm afraid to uh, create boundaries because people are going to think I'm mean, or maybe I'm being dramatic, or maybe I'm being bitchy, or maybe I'm being selfish. I feel guilty about the boundaries that I want to set. So we have all of the myths around boundaries, which I just listed basically, which stop people from doing it. But what really stops us from doing it is we don't know how. 
So think about, you know, Sarah, think in your own life, think about the way that you were raised. Did anybody want you to be a good girl? Did anybody, you know, turn that frown around? Mm -hmm. Where's my happy girl? If you don't have anything nice to say, Sarah, don't say anything at all. Mm -hmm. So if we think about the messaging of childhood and then the um, modeled behaviors we saw, we not only did we, nobody teaches how to create boundaries. We, most of us were raised and praised to be self-abandoning codependents. Oh my gosh. I'm like, I'm taking notes already, by the way. I started taking notes. <laughs> you said preferences. So that was like <laughs> your first sentence. But I'm just thinking like the messaging of like grin and bear it, smile. Mm-hmm. And if you're in pain, don't talk about it. Don't talk yep. really much at all. Just go with whatever a grown up tells you. Right. Yep. Like, I think so many of us have that messaging from childhood that we're probably not even aware of bumbling around in our adult lives going, well, why did that happen? Why did this happen? Well, duh, we never set a boundary. (laughs) Exactly. And here's the thing. We also think about how, how many of the things that we do are motivated. Like we put it under the guise of wanting to be nice Mm -hmm. and then Think about how often if you're saying yes, when you really want to say no, and we were being honest about it, is that legitimately being nice? And the answer is no. And what happens is when we say yes, when we really want to say no, we are giving the people in our life corrupted data about who we are, what we want, how we feel, and then we feel this existential loneliness that comes along with being in relationships with people who kind of don't actually know you because we haven't allowed them to know us. So the trickle-down effect of having disordered boundaries and not being able to share your preferences, desires, limits, and deal-breakers readily in your life, that's in friendships and love relationships, It creates an unsafe environment for you because, again, not being known, someone is doing something that's injuring you or hurting your feelings, but you're not really saying something about it. Maybe you're acting it out passively, aggressively, because, you know, we can always like slam a door or roll Mm -hmm. our eyes or heavy sigh at the annoyance of it all. Mm -hmm. But that's not the same. Like I would have therapy clients say to me, oh, well, he knew. He knew I was pissed. I mean, he, he could tell. I was like, here's the thing. You acting mad is not the same as you expressing what you're mad about specifically. Mm -hmm. It's not the same. And why are we making people guess? Well, he should know. He doesn't know. And those are lies we tell ourselves. I call them where we want to let ourselves off the hook from having to have a confrontation or a hard conversation where we're like, well, if he really cared about me, he'd know. I'm like, no, he is not a mind reader. She is not a mind reader. Nobody's a mind reader. And part of this process of having the ability to protect ourselves, our own integrity, our own values, and our relationships is inherent in this ability to become more expert at expressing 
and enforcing your preferred boundaries. And listen, not all boundaries are created equal. The reason it goes from preference to deal breaker is because your preferences are important, right? As your deal breakers are. Preferences, desires, limits, and deal breakers. These don't just make up your boundaries. These are also the things about you that make you Sarah, Mm -hmm. that make you, you. So this is not um, something that when people are like, I don't want to make a big deal about it. You know, I don't want to be a drama queen. I don't want them to think that I'm needy. There's, you know, playing the cool girl, you know, being like, you know, me, easy breezy, no fuss, no muss. And hey, some people really are like that. But I promise you, most people who say they're like that have learned to have no needs because I don't want to burden someone else with what I need. I don't want my preference to be an inconvenience for you, but I want you to really, everybody listening, really think about this. Your preferences are important. It doesn't mean people will always acquiesce to what we want. And that's not even the point. The point is to let people know who you are. Of course, you can compromise. If you have any long-term relationships, if you're in a family, if you have friends, you're compromising all the time. This is a part of being an adult in real life. But why not share your preferences, right? Because when you do, it lets people know you more deeply. It, it it's It's that like showing up authentically, right? And, and so few people actually do that. And I'm just thinking like in terms of like dating or whatever, how often are we twisting ourselves up into a pretzel based Mm -hmm. on what we think that other person would want. And so right out of the gate, you're not showing up as yourself. And then you see people get married and then, you know, the stuff starts to bubble up and, you know, you never showed up as yourself to begin with. How can you expect that person to you're like what you were saying, read your mind or understand your preferences mm-hmm. when you never led with that to begin with? Um, yes. When, when you think about the dissatisfaction, right? So part of it is we have such a fear of rejection Yeah. that I would, I would have therapy clients talking about, oh, I feel like, I feel like this person's pulling away. You know, we were texting a lot and whatever. And I'm like, Hey, before we start panicking, about being rejected by some mother effer we barely even know. How about let's think about, do you like them? Yeah. <laughs> are they someone worth pursuing? Like, yeah. why are we suddenly hitting the panic button about, I think they're pulling away. Do we actually give a shit if they're pulling away? Yeah. Let's, let's think about it first. Coming from the point of view of you're a catch, mm-hmm. right? You you need to value yourself. I remember when I was dating, I've been with my husband, you know, we've been married 25 years, but a long time ago when I was a talent agent, I was in the dating world. And this is long before apps, people. This is people did it like old school where you just like met people on blind dates, which is actually how I met my husband. But anyway, I had a friend who was setting me up. She was like, um, well, I told this person that you were like three years younger than you are because he's a little bit younger. And and she was like, and I think you should curse less, literally. And, you know, maybe just tone it down a little. Yeah. And I was like, what the fuck? I, I could maybe 
first of all, what the fuck exactly. But what I was thinking and what I did say is, dude, I could probably pretend to be like a demure wallflower for maybe two weeks. I don't know. But like, I can't do that forever. And why would I want yeah, to? Why do I want to attract someone who doesn't yeah. know who the hell I am? If me cursing is offensive to this person, I will be offensive to this person because eventually <laughs> I will have to just actually be myself. And I feel like that's very true. What you're saying in the dating world, I always say to my clients, we want to set boundaries early and often when we're dating. And this is a way of creating emotional safety. If someone says to you, you're dating and they say, I'll call you on Friday and we'll make plans for Friday night. Then they don't call you on Friday, but they call you on Monday being like, what's up? How was your weekend? You have got to decide, are you colluding with their bullshit that they didn't say they'd call you Friday to go out Friday night? Or are you going to say, oh, when you flaked on Friday, I just figured you had a flaky moment or that you got busy. So I made other plans. Like you've got to mention it or you're colluding in a way that you don't want to be with this fake reality. Yeah. Are we, do we expect people to keep their word or is it okay? Do you want that to be the rest of your life? Being with someone who says some shit to get out of something in the moment and then does not follow through. No. That's not someone we want to spend all of eternity with. Now, is it? Yeah. So people are like, well, I'm afraid they're going to think. The moment you, in your mind, the moment these words come to your mind, I don't want them to feel, I don't want them to think, right? Like, I don't want them to feel bad, or I don't want them to think I'm needy. You need to stop, back up, and get back on your own side of the street, Because having healthy boundaries means you know what shit is your responsibility and what is not. What someone else thinks about you calling them out about not doing what they said they were going to do, that's their side of the street. They can write any story about it that they want or not. And you might be shocked at how often it's not intentional. It isn't someone trying to get over on you. It's sometimes people are clueless. Not everyone is as attuned to others. Not everyone. Some people have ADHD. Some people don't have good memories. If you say, hey, you said you've been going to call on Friday and you didn't, if you got really direct about it. um, And that I don't have time for that in my life. You don't have to, you don't have to say you're going to call you offered and then not doing it, I was thinking, oh, I hope everything's okay, like, or whatever. It's okay to mention it or to say, yeah. listen, I don't have time because <laughs> I don't have time. You just, yeah. just either do what you say you're going to do or get up. Like yeah. there is no room for playing games. And that's personally in my life. But thinking the whole thing about being direct can be very threatening. And there's also ways to do it with humor. And there's, especially if you like the person, right? We don't need to blast somebody. <laughs> Right. If you're just started dating them, but we also should not, I don't think, put up with behavior that feels demeaning, that feels marginalizing, that doesn't feel good when you don't have to. We're all, this is all volunteers here. Like we're, these are adult relationships. Like we don't have to be in any relationship we don't want to be unless with minor children that we had and said <laughs> we were going to take care of. That's it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So I have two, two questions. One, f- 
fundamentally preferences, desires, limits, and deal breakers. I feel like, and tell me if I'm wrong, if you were to ask the average person to list those things for themselves, I bet they couldn't, I bet they'd Mm -hmm. have to stop and think about it. Right. Like, and I'm thinking about raising daughters. I have two of them. How, how do we, you know, how do we either as adults who have no fucking clue what these things are for us, or as we're raising kids, how do we Mm -hmm. instill these things in our kids? And then my second question is what about relationships where you don't really have a choice, like in the workplace, right? Where it's like your, your boss or somebody else, how do you navigate that? So those are two separate ones, but go wherever you want to go. All right. So let's start with the parent who exactly what you said is true. Hence why I wrote a whole book, why I have a course, why I have a mastermind all about this, because people don't know. I ask my therapy clients when they come in, okay, so what brings you joy or what, whatever the thing is. And they'll literally go, I do not know. No idea. (laughs) I have not thought of that. Yeah. So I start the way that I start the book and my courses is that we do this very expansive list, the okay and not okay list. And we look at every area of our life and from the big things to like the minutia bull crap that, that just bugs us, right? Like maybe in your office, you have a light, a bulb in the ceiling that is kind of caustic and you hate it. And every time you flip it on, you're like, oh, that light, Mm -hmm. that is going to be on the not okay list because you can do something about that light. Mm -hmm. You can get a floor lamp. You can change that to a more diffuse. You can change it to a yellow light if that's better for you, but there are things that you can do. So we pick every area of life from relationships to family, finances, health, um, fitness, um, work, friendships, all the things. And we start, you take your time and and I have people do it over a period of time because you're not going to want to sit down for like five hours and do it. We keep adding, it's like a living, breathing document. So when something gets on your nerves and you're like, you know what? I really don't like that. I don't like that. The guy that I'm dating is only ever texts me and never wants to talk on the phone. I really have a preference. I would rather talk on the phone less than have someone texting me all day while I'm trying to be at work. That is not my preference. Then you're like, okay, that is on the not okay list. Uh And this is how we have ideas of like, how much of our life are we, how much are we tolerating in life that we don't need to be, that we kind of think like we're taking one for the team. Like, What good does it do if you don't tell the person you're dating that you would prefer to talk on the phone? Every time the person texts you, you have a little tinge of annoyance. Mm -hmm. Why? Why are we letting ourselves build resentment? You don't need to. So the beginning is we start the okay and not okay list, which starts to give us a little bit of clarity on what we're tolerating and what things can we sort of easily change Mm -hmm. ourselves, right? I had a I had some, a woman who would come clean my house every other week and she changed the time. Um, And she was like, do you mind? And I I didn't initially mind. And then I realized I didn't like that she was coming so early and I did mind. And I, but, but I let it go for like seven months. And as soon as I told her, I was like, you know what? Actually, I don't love the 830 time slot anymore. (laughs) We had it there for a reason because I used to film after whatever. And now that I have a separate place to do the work that I need to do, it doesn't matter when she's in the house, but I don't want her there in my morning while I'm meditating and working out and doing what I do. 
that was an easy switch. She was like, oh, no problem. I'll flip you with the person. At, you know, I, I house 10. I was like, perfect. That I could have had that conversation six months sooner. And the amount of, of resentment, it wasn't out of control, but the irritation that I experienced every time this person was in my space and I was making my coffee and I was like, well, ugh, why? I had to get up early and move stuff around so she could actually clean. My point is, it's there's a lot of things that we tolerate simply because it's sort of in our subconscious mind. We haven't taken, we haven't moved it up into the main part of the house. So this okay and not okay list is going to be a help there to see what are you tolerating in all areas of your life? How do we teach children these things? Most important is you have to be model. You have to model the behavior. Mm -hmm. You have to sort of co-regulate with them, teach them as you're going. You can tell them stories about, you know, I had this experience and then I did this. You know, we, we can teach them as we're going. If your child, one part of understanding your boundaries, your your desires, what you want. Listen, when we're dealing with kids, right, their preferences are probably not going to be all of the boundaries that they become because you have a right, a, a child can have a preference. Maybe they don't like to kiss grandma. Maybe they don't like to kiss strangers and family systems that are like, go junior, mm-hmm. go kiss grandma. And the kid's crying and it's embarrassing. And it's like, don't force a kid. That's a preference that I feel like should be respected mm-hmm. where it, it's okay. Would you rather give grandma a fist bump or an elbow bump or a high five? Like create other ways for the kid to be able to honor their sovereignty in areas where they should be sovereign. And then you're going to have a kid being like, I want Snickers for dinner. Yeah. Now <laughs> that's your preference too bad. Cause yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. cause we're the adults and we're not doing that. But it's asking them about how they feel. It's teaching them how to express it. It's also having to respect a kid's boundaries, which is hard because a lot of parenting style is very, you know, for people, you know, it can be like pretty dictatorship, you know what I mean? Or it's like, because I said so type of a thing, which, you know, if you want a kid to become fluent in the language of boundaries, you have to show them what it looks like. And even with them, you have to you have to put up boundaries with them. Like, I need a minute right now. I am upset about what just happened. And we're going to talk about it. But I'm going to go get a glass of water. And then I'll meet you in the family room or whatever. Showing them, like, this is how you manage your emotions, right? We're always teaching kids. Either we're teaching them how to co-regulate. Like, we're co-regulating with them. Teaching them how to regulate their emotions. Or we're not. You know whose work I think is so fantastic? Her mm. name is Doc, Dr. Becky. Okay. Like, and I think her Instagram is Dr. Becky Good Inside, like good okay. inside, like kids are good inside, like behavior is bad, but kids aren't bad. Yeah. Anyway, I know her real name is something else, but she's so, her stuff is so solid in the way of she gives you actual scripts. And so much of it is boundary heaven, right? It's so good. So anyway, that, that's another thought for listeners and for you. Um, but the most important thing with your daughters is they're going to see you. They're going to see, are you a people pleaser? 
Do you do things you don't want to do for others and then complain about it? Do you feel taken advantage? Are you short-tempered about things because you're overextended, because you're an overgiver, because you're an auto-yesser? Like you want to teach them, yes, kindness is important, but so is honesty. Yes. And so is how they feel. Help them name their feelings because it depends on their ages. Like kids don't know that, you know, they're, they're going through these developmental phases where their cognitive abilities are getting bigger and better, 9, 10, 11, 12. Mm-hmm. But when they're smaller, they're just frustrated. Like when kids are acting out, they just can't, they don't have any skills to do it better. Yeah. And so we put all of this perception around it. Like they're being bratty, they're being this. You're like, I mean, maybe it's presenting that way. But your job is to help them acknowledge one, one thing that is really helpful with kids who are having a big experience, a big feeling is to, hey, it, you're having a big feeling right now. Yeah. Right? I, I, I know I can see, you know, I know you really wanted to watch another one of your shows tonight. I can see you really wanted to. And yet you got school tomorrow, babe. So we're not going to. But there's something about acknowledging the fact that what they wanted or that they're having a big feeling that can help them feel like you're on their side. Yes. You know, yes. and you can say, Hey, I'm on your side, right? It's, it's you and me, like we're, we're a team. So yes. I'm here. I'm going to help you figure it out. Like we'll figure it out together so that it's not, it's, it's the vibe is it's you and me against the problem instead of you against me. Yes. Oh, ding, 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 ding. I got it. I got it. Cause I do feel that way um, that I'm, you know, the dictator and the bat, you know, always saying no, always saying stop, you know, but it's you and me, we're on the same team and we'll figure it out together. Yep. I love that. I love that. So what about in the workplace setting boundaries with somebody that might be in charge of you, or mm-hmm. you don't have maybe that you f- don't feel that you have the same ability to express your own needs. And and the truth is you don't. Yeah. Because when there is a power differential, we take that into consideration. I'm actually doing a workshop in like, I think less than a month from now. It's about, um, well, it's, it's intergenerational boundaries, but a lot of times there's a power dynamic there too. Even if you're an adult with grown, you know, you're grown up and then with your parents. So with the work stuff, if someone has the power to fire you, right? This is why subordinates and bosses are not supposed to have relationships, right? Because the subordinate can't really say no if the boss has the ability to fire them. And of course they do. So you have to be mindful of your situation. You have to get all of your ducks in a row. If you want to set a boundary with your boss, let's say, you know, you've established that you don't work on the weekends and they don't pay you to work on the weekends, but somehow your boss has an emergency every weekend and is emailing you and is texting you. So you really have to look and go, all right, what is my responsibility? If it's a big enough company where there's a human resources, you can go to human resources and say, what, what recourse do I have? Like, you know, there's all different ways of handling it, but I would get really clear before you set the boundary. 
-hmm. because unless you can afford to, and it depends on the person, the person may be completely reasonable. And you saying, Hey, Bob, we had talked about this, but I'm, when I close down my email on Friday night, I don't open it up again until Monday morning. That's the agreement. I'm not paid to work on the weekends. So if you want me to be available on the weekends, you know, it would be one of two things, either pay me more money to do that (laughs) or, or I'm not available to do that. And this was not part of our agreement. And if you can have documentation now, some people will be really offended by that. They'll be really mad. You're not a team player. You're not whatever, but you need to understand what your legal rights are. Now, if it's a small company, that's going to, that is going to be a different situation where you don't even have an HR department, then you have to really, really think about what did you agree to mm-hmm. and what boundary do you need? Now, if someone is sexually harassing you, if they're, I mean, listen, there's, there's all kinds of boundary violations within the workplace that you have to decide how important is it to you, right? If, if there are egregious violations and there are things that make you feel humiliated or actually against the law, like sexual harassment is against the law. Mm. I mean, then part of me really goes, listen, it's not about boundaries. It's about finding a less toxic workplace. Yeah. 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 And I think too, like if you go through that exercise of preferences, desires, limits, and deal breakers, before you're thinking about what the best environment would be right. Like, I think there would be less of that friction if you actually know what you want and what you don't want before you step into any situation, whether it be a job, a relationship, a friendship, whatever you're already starting with, with on all, you know, running on all cylinders before you even step into the ring, which I think is such a more authentic way to live our lives. Right. It's also being proactive though. You know, Sarah, it's like part of, part of the thing, what people don't realize is that, and this is part of a four-step process that I teach you in the book and in my courses is that there are so many situations that we can be proactive in and being an entrepreneur, having your own business is one of them where be super clear. What are the working hours of your company? let people know. Like I hire people from all over the world to work for me, but we all work on New York time. And if it doesn't work for you to work on New York time, you cannot work on this team. I cannot take into consideration London. I just can't. I have people in London, Spain, like, no. So it's only people and that's their responsibility. Now I have, I have literally boxes that people have to initial when they come. I have such a, an extensive onboarding um, process for my company so that we're all so clear. This is the way the team communicates. If something is wrong, this is how you get in touch with Terry. If like every single thing, but also what are my preferences? I don't start work until 11, right? I get up, I meditate with my husband. I take care of chickens and geese. I jump on my trampoline. I work out. I, you know, work outside in my garden. I do all the things by 11 now. I'm ready to see what the team needs, see what's going on, look at my day, figure out how much time I need to get ready for my, usually my first things around noon. But that took years to get to what is my optimal schedule? Because when I was working all the time as such a workaholic, it isn't optimal because what I'm, what you're producing is not optimal. You have to know yourself. And this is where your preferences, 
right? It's my company. My preference is for many of us to talk through Voxer all the time. I don't want to be typing. My arms are already killing me. I want to do voice notes, drop it wherever I need to drop it. And that is the fastest. And that's my preference. If someone else, like one really clear thing about being proactive, if you have a company or you're an online entrepreneur or whatever, is that this shit is not a democracy. This is a business. If someone else is like, you know, I don't really prefer Voxer. I don't care. Get your yeah. own team. Get out. Yeah. Like, do not the right make bit. your own company. Yeah. That's correct. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but people have a choice to opt out before they opt in because of how proactive we are with the information. Here's the thing. We, we work normal hours, except when we're launching. And then there could be a lot more expected of you. Are you willing to do what's ex- like everything? And so, so the people on my team are so well vetted before they get on my team. They are so clear as to what they agreed to. And I think that not everyone does that. And if we, a lot of times we make the assumption like other people are like us. Mm-hmm. And this gets us into trouble in life and in business. It's called positive projection, where we're like, if you work a lot, if you keep your word, you expect that, oh, I'm, I'm in partnership with this person on this deal. They're going to keep their word. Everything should be in writing. Everything that you do, business-wise, certainly, should make sure that you, it's not just, we have a nod, we have an agreement. Because where you assume people are like you, so much of the time, you're going to be sorely disappointed that they are not. Yeah. And I'm thinking back to all the hiring and firing I've done in my life. And 99.9% of the firing has been because it was my fault that I wasn't clear from the beginning, right? When I was about the job duties, about how we were, all the things you just mentioned, I'm going, oh crap, that was my fault. I wasn't clear from the get-go. And so giving that person the chance to opt out before, and I think even too in hiring, there's some, I want this person to like me. And so I almost make it seem better than it, you know, and then I'm like, well, why were, didn't you do this? And why were you, it's like, that's all my fucking fault, right? Like, (laughs) so bad, but over the years I think I've gotten better, but like over, 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 over explaining from the get-go is way better option. So that person can say either this is the fit for me or not. But again, all yeah. of this applies to every area of our life, you know, hiring a babysitter, work, relationships, friendships, you know, yeah. and, and talk a little bit like the, the big one, like our relationship with ourself. Talk about that a little bit. Cause I'm going, Oh, you know, my fight with myself about, let's say exercise or eating or whatever. Um, how do we employ some of these tactics in mm-hmm. our relationship with ourselves? Well, part of what we talked about at the top was like, how do we create safe spaces yeah. for optimal mental wellness yes. and inside of you, your internal boundaries, that's what that's called, what you were just describing, right? Having the back and forth about eating or exercising or whatever. The safe space within ourselves, we have to get really dialed into how do we talk to ourselves? Uh What are we actually saying? Because negative self, excuse me, negative self-talk and like being punitive and mean and calling yourself names 
you know, this may be something that is you have internalized from somewhere else, or you might be a bit of a perfectionist and feel like anything that's less than perfect is just terrible. Like, you know, you can't see the 98% that was amazing. You can only focus on the 2% that didn't go the way you wanted it to. There's a lot of reasons why we have that inner mean committee that can just be so caustic and harsh. And yet you're only going to be so successful if you don't get a hold of those bitches and have them sit down. <laughs> like, honestly, we need, they just need to sit down Yeah, because you're going to start to, when you become aware, so you can start writing down when you notice, wow, that was not nice. Especially be, be dialed into how you talk to yourself, your inner dialogue, when things don't go the way you, you had planned, when right. you don't follow through with what you said you were going to do, or the thing that you planned didn't go the way you wanted it to, or the other person didn't react the way you wanted to. If you're disappointed, how do you talk to yourself? And then start changing that inner dialogue. Think about it this way. I want you to get a, get a little picture of you as a kid, like a cute little four-year-old or three-year-old or six-year-old, and you're going to put it on your phone as your screensaver. And I want you to think about what would you say to that little kid? How would you treat your daughter if she made the same quote unquote mistake that you had just made? Would you ever use those words? Would you ever use that tone of voice? And I hope the answer is no. And so in looking at our little selves, the baby us, little us, it makes it so much easier to realize that you are that child. You are still that kid and you deserve your own compassion, love, acceptance, soothing, rather than all of this recrimination and meanness that's coming from like, well, that's what you get. Like I I can think of what, what are the things that in the past I've said to myself when there's a disappointment or what, like, well, that's what you get for being something, something like so mean. I would literally never say that to anyone else in my life, if something didn't go the way they wanted to. And now it's, even if you just move into um, affirmations, they don't have to be perfect, but that are soothing. I'll say an affirmation like, you know what? It's all okay, Tara. It's all, you're okay. It's all going to be okay. You've been through worse. You've survived a hundred percent of the crap you've been through in life and you'll survive this. So just take a deep breath, give yourself a pause chance to think, make a decision. Like I talk myself off the ledge rather than shoving myself off the ledge with this mean language. And I think it's very important. You fucked up again, blah, blah, blah. Right. Like Mm -hmm. I get it. Yeah, for sure. Because there's self-abandonment that comes along with us throwing ourselves under the bus, even if it's just to us. And a lot of times that's an internalized voice. Yeah. That's like not even us. A lot of times that might've been a early, you know, a caregiver from childhood who was like that or thought that way or who who was punitive. And when we no longer live with them, we just do it to ourselves. So we can stop doing it. And it's so helpful to stop because this is how we create a safe space within us. We have to be safe to make mistakes, to have the array of feelings that life will bring up for us. And then we need to stop abandoning ourselves in our relationships, 
our friendships, our careers, which are all can all be connected to having healthier boundaries, being more proactive with our boundaries, being more vocal with our preferences, desires, limits, and deal breakers. This is such amazing stuff, Terry Cole. I am eating this up. I love this book. You guys, please run out, pick up a copy. I'm already, I know I have a list of people I'm going to send it to on Audible. Um, if it's on Audible and um, on Amazon, you guys, the book is called Boundary Boss, The Essential Guide to Talk True, Be Seen, and Finally Live Free. Terry Cole, you can find her at Terry, T-E-R-R-I, Cole.com. Terry, thank you so much for being here and for doing such important work. Um, I am definitely going to be thinking about all the things we talked about today, going through the yes. and really getting clear on this is life-changing stuff, right? It's what, life-changing stuff. Thank you so much for having me, Sarah. One last thing I want to say for yeah. everybody listening and for you is that if you're sort of in the beginning of this and you want to understand your own boundary style, the way that you react, how your own boundaries are disordered, I have a really great, free, amazing quiz. Just go to boundaryquiz.com and it's 13 questions. And then you're going to get an actual answer of like, what is your archetype? Are you more of a peacekeeper, more of an ice queen? So I feel like it can help everyone. It's a perfect way to start. So boundaryquiz.com. Amazing. Terry Cole, I hope you come back. Keep us updated with all the amazing work you're doing. You guys, thank you for listening to Bar Fights and we will see you next week. Thank you for listening to Bar Fights with attorney Sarah Klein, taking on issues that matter. Please check out our website at barfightspodcast.com, Instagram at barfightspodcast, or Twitter at barfights underscore pod for the latest show updates and archives.